Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, welcome everyone to the Future Tech Podcast. My name is Josh Thomas. I'm filling in for Rich Jacobs today. And uh, we have with us Michael Reed from Practical VR. And Practical VR is a mixed reality company who's on a mission to map the world. Hey, Michael, how's it going? Going well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Now tell me, mapping the world, that is that is no small feat. I mean, Google did it, uh, but you're looking at it this from a totally different angle. Tell us about that. Well, we think Google has done it, but what they've really done is they've put together some pretty advanced satellite maps. And beyond that, they have sent cars out to roam the streets. But what we're talking about here when mapping the world is providing computers a new level of an understanding of the world. Um, you know, speaking about mixed reality in particular, these computers really have to understand the environments around us. So if you're playing a cool robot, you know, there's a game out right now for HoloLens called Robo Raid. If you're playing Robo Raid, you want those robots to spawn and come out of the back wall of your room. Well, first off, the device has to understand where the back wall of your room is so that the robots can pop up there and then crawl across your your back wall. But beyond that, it needs to know where your floor is, your ceiling is, the surfaces in your environment. Um, and those types of maps have not been built yet of the world. So, yeah. you know, Google has mapped the world to an extent. Yes. Other companies have mapped the world to an extent. Yes. But a full 3D representation of the world does not exist yet today. That's a, an important distinction to be sure. You know, when we, we go onto Google Earth and we can zoom in, there's actually a, there's actually a movie about how, uh, the movie called Lion about this Indian guy who was adopted when he was five and went to Australia and used Google Maps to find the tiny little village in India he grew up in. It was a really cool story. Uh, but, but you're right. It doesn't. It doesn't map my room, uh, and uh, being able to do that helps us with the emerging technology of the augmented and mixed reality that you're talking about. Now, I've always had this. Let me ask you about this, Michael. I've always had this feeling that you know technology keeps marching forward at an ever faster pace. You know, 15 years ago, uh, none of us would have ever thought that you know this this guy I told you about could could zoom in on a little village uh, in India and see enough detail to to recognize it as you know hey that's my home there's my house right there 
None of us would have thought that in, you know, 2002, for instance. But it's a foregone conclusion today. And I've always had the thought that somewhere very soon in the next 10 or 15 years, um, we're going to be able to see a live feed of the entire world, whether it's Google Maps or some other company that comes along and does it. I, I feel like that's an, a, an eventuality. It's a little bit scary, but it's kind of unavoidable. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, there's actually a, a pretty strong book called Mirrored Worlds um, that, that that goes in depth about you know the level of um, a, a look that we could get into that live feed of the world. Uh, I, I mean, today, right, certain technology exists that could enable um, a live feed from satellite-based technologies. But uh, in this book, it kind of goes more in depth as to the different sensors and devices and maybe you know, the individual could zoom into a city town hall meeting and watch that live from anywhere in the world. Um, so, so yes, I, I do see uh, that happening in the further future of, of this technology in particular. You know, one, one thing that has to happen first is, of course, we have to have the baseline scans, but then we have to have technology that constantly updates those environments. You know, we talk about scanning it once and, you know, that's not the live feed that you're referencing there. But if we want a live feed like you speak of, um, I, you know, I could imagine devices sitting in almost every environment that just take in information. You know, one firm uh, transition to this is probably the Internet of Things as more devices are connected to a cloud and, you know, provides more contextual understanding of the environments around us. Um, those devices could feed in potentially that live view of the world in almost every aspect like you speak of. So it's an interesting thought. It's, uh, it's, it's possible. Um, it's just a matter of who's going to build it and when that's going to happen. You know? Yeah. It's amazing to even think that that kind of technology and that kind of data storage is even possible. You know? And, and so tell us a little bit about, uh, practical VR. Uh, how how long have you uh, been in operation, and and what was the inspiration for this? Yeah, so practical VR uh, started about two years ago. Uh, we just hit kind of two years in October, and the initial business plan wasn't anywhere near what it is today. Uh, we're talking about a time to where the devices were just announced. Um, you know, Alex Kipman took the stage and revealed the Microsoft HoloLens for the first time to everyone in the room. And, you know, it was, it was just an amazing experience to be watching that live stream. And I'd already been kind of plotting and planning about, you know, the emerging industry of then called augmented reality. Uh, but when it became real on stage at a live event, uh, it changed the ballgame quite a lot. So, you know, we started in the aspects of business planning. Myself and my co-founder, we actually learned two programs specifically so that we could jump in and build something cool for mixed reality. Uh, we, we knew that we wouldn't necessarily be able to uh, learn enough to become the masters in the technology in that short period of time, but we knew that we could learn enough to build something cool enough to get the masters involved. And that's exactly what we've done. So, you know, practical VR kind of went from that transition period um, in 2015 to, you know, where you start to find your actual niche. Once we got the devices in hand, uh, we, we, we were both working at AT&T at the time, 
and we took a week vacation just so we could lock ourselves in and immerse ourselves with the technology and you know just learn all the ins and outs because development for mixed reality is totally different than development for mobile you have to think in a 3d mentality in almost every interaction with the device you have to think of all the new inputs, right? The device understands different hand gestures. It, you know, one big input is gaze, how the user looks at these different holograms in their environment or even looks at their environment around them. So there's a lot of new inputs we had to learn for these devices. But we locked ourselves in and started tinkering. I think the first app we built was just using a flamethrower and literally torching your walls uh, because the device knew where the walls were. And so we could overlay a texture on the walls as the, the user uh, use the flamethrower around the room. And we added in additional effects just to kind of break us in and allow us to get to know this technology. And so you develop so, mainly software and apps? Uh, or Yeah, yeah. We just, we wanted to learn it first because I, I'm a big proponent of starting with the user experience. We have to understand every aspect of the experience before we can possibly do something innovative in my mind. So we wanted to be kind of those ground floor members that understood that experience. And, you know, the buildup effect past that is once we understood that experience, we were able to understand what developers wanted and needed at this point in time. And that was an analytics platform. So in May of this year, we launched our analytics platform to the development community for Microsoft HoloLens. And we have ambitions to further port that to other platforms as they emerge. Uh, we're looking at ARKit and AR Core and some aspects of the experience we learned for full-fledged mixed reality, like the HoloLens. How can we port some of those lessons we learned over to mobile and make the mobile development cycle a bit easier and provide insights into those applications? So we went from building things of our, our own to understanding what developers need to providing a tool for developers of mixed reality apps. Yeah, so it's it's an interesting development arc that you've gone through in a in a very short period of time. Um, you know, this it's it's interesting how you've evolved. Um, how are you looking to t take this company and evolve the future of the technology? Yeah, so so I've been a long time follower of blockchain. You know, I I, I first found out about Bitcoin in 2012. Uh, I jumped in on the first, now what we know to be an ICO master coin. It's now called Omni. So I followed blockchain for, for quite a long time. Um, and, and during my adventures with blockchain, I was working in telecom. So I was actively seeing the adoption of the smartphone, you know, and I've, I've seen how fast smartphones went from, you know, something, you know, just a consumer device that was new and people weren't sure how they were going to be adopted to a time today where almost everyone has one. Uh, everyone has a smartphone. Some people have a smartphone plus a tablet. You know, mobile devices really, really took off and I was on the front um, edge of that industry. So, you know, following blockchain, being immersed in telecom, I, I, I looked at mixed reality as the next mobile device. And I always sat back and I kind of imagined, well, what if every mobile device that was launched with the smartphone industry, what if that had a crypto wallet embedded on it? And so this, this was a fundamental step for our platform, uh, that realization of, of what if we could be the platform that embeds a crypto asset wallet on every single mixed reality headset to launch? 
Mm. So, so we've looked at it really from how can we push mixed reality forward by providing tools for developers, but how can we also show these developers the fusions of mixed reality and blockchain? You know, I've always imagined the future of blockchain to come from mixed reality because right now the user experience is so complicated when you interact with a Bitcoin wallet on a smartphone. You know, you have to take your phone out of your pocket, you type in your passcode, you scroll through and find the Bitcoin app on your phone, you type a passcode in there to, you know, open up your wallet, then you have to scan in the other person's QR code, so on and so forth. And it takes a long time to actually go from wanting to to purchase something or wanting to send somebody, you know, Bitcoin to actually being able to send them Bitcoin. Whereas the future I've imagined in mixed reality is you literally just pull a coin out of your hand and you toss that at someone. And that's how we transact. You toss it at a counter and that's how you pay for your coffee. And so I, I've looked at this, this technology as a frontier to simplify the user experience behind crypto and show developers why blockchain is important for the future of this industry as well. So it's kind of a, a twofold effort there wow. uh, for, for practical is, you know, how can we simplify the entire user experience behind crypto? Yeah. So that's, well, that's, that's very interesting because, um, you know, I, when, when I was learning, first learning about, uh, you know, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, uh, it's, it's almost prohibitively complex for the common person to do. And you have to really be motivated to overcome a lot of tech speak and a lot of, you know, strings of random numbers and letters in order to just practically use the thing. Uh, and you're saying with mixed reality, we can reach out and grab and have that, have that action mapped to something where you reach out and grab a coin and it appears in your hand and you throw it on the counter and everybody with the, the mixed reality and within that environment can see that and they can have that transaction. That's really interesting because you're, you're simplifying a, a supremely complex process right now. Now, how many years – that's not something I don't think you can really do tomorrow. How many, how many years away do you think that is before, before it's practical for people to do that? Well, if you if you look at the adoption rate of smartphones, I, I typically like to apply a tag of about ten years to the smartphone to almost full market saturation. Okay. And I look at the the adoption rate of these these mixed reality devices. I, I see it becoming a lot quicker than that ten year period because telecom learned a lot going from the days to where, how do we get these really expensive devices in people's hands to, oh, we're going to sign them up on two-year contracts and sell them on two-year contracts. They'll be really cheap. Oh, we're going to tack on a data plan that allows us to sell them even cheaper. And then now they've gone into a completely subsidized device format where you literally finance the device at no interest with your carriers. So I think that they've learned a lot about how to get these devices in people's hands. I remember walking into one of the stores that I managed uh, at my time at AT&T, and I saw one of the retail sales representatives carrying around a tablet. And I asked one of my managers, my assistant managers, I go, why, why are they carrying around the tablet? And he said, well, that's, it's an initiative. We want them to demo this to every customer until they sell it. 
And I imagine that same sort of strategy being applied to holograms and who's not going to want to take that home, especially if there's not an upfront cost to doing that. It gets added onto the monthly bill. Yeah, you know, so they've learned a lot about how to get consumers to take these devices home. So that's why I feel that adoption of the device itself is going to be a lot faster. Now, from the software perspective, that where you pull a token out of your hand, that's pretty much here. We're not that far off from those capabilities from a software perspective. It's just somebody's got to build it. And that's the way I look at it. Well, somebody's somebody's got to build it, and then you have to add enough layers of security to where it can't be, you know, taken advantage of, and uh, you know those sorts of things. It's it's not that you can't do that now. It's it's just making sure that you know people use Bitcoin because of the the added security and uh, you know kind of being off the grid and that sort of thing. And uh, you know, just talk to me quickly. How do you integrate? you know, the, the action of, you know, pulling a coin out of your pocket, a digital virtual coin and matching that up with, you know, security features that keep people from, you know, getting robbed. Yeah. So, so we, we're not necessarily developing the technology behind pulling a token out of your hand and using that for payments. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, it's something that I've thought about from the simplified user experience. What we're doing is we are embedding wallets on devices. Right. Okay. Um, you know, what one key piece about our our decentralized, you know, roadmap and strategy is that we don't want to hold private keys on our servers and we don't want to manage private keys for users. Um, that's the user's wallet, that's their keys. We don't want to touch that. So all of the keys remain on the device. And it's just about, you know, mainly how those are encrypted and how the user gains access to that. Um, devices will have better and better tech. You know, we've seen um, thumbprint readers now on the latest phones. It's gone into facial recognition. Uh, These devices at some point in the very near future will even have the ability to scan a retina uh, and encrypt uh, private keys or, you know, utilize that as a method of authentication for passwords. What would you say are some of the challenges and difficulties that you've faced over the last few years as building this company? So just, just even thinking from an architecture perspective of how we're going to authenticate users in a decentralized way, you know, I, I've been a privacy rights advocate for many years. And one key thing about building an analytics platform, I did not want to take in any personally identifiable information. I didn't want to attach a user's email to an account in our system. I didn't want to attach a user's phone number to an account in our system. I literally just wanted to see a public key. And so even coming up with that sort of architecture that would allow us to keep users anonymous, but still collect data and create insights within that data, that was a huge, huge complexity. Um, You know, another another complexity is just the unknowns of the industry. Uh, For a while, we were working with, you know, the first wave of devices and nobody knew how the industry was going to evolve and if it would get traction and, you know, what what tools would come out um, was, was a big key piece. The documentation was so, so sparse with that first wave of devices. So even figuring out how to do some of these things and build applications in the beginning was just a very, very challenging feat. So, um, but we continued on and we, you know, just kept working at it, put our heads down. And uh, now we're pretty far along on, on this quest to build the future of mixed reality. 
That's great. You know, and, and you know, you've come a long way in, in just a short period of time. Uh, Michael, tell us a little bit about uh, what, you know, your, your early telecom days and, you know, what, what were you doing before this that, uh, that kind of inspired it? I know you mentioned that you were on the front end of the, the smartphones and you saw it from that perspective. But what exactly did you do within telecom? Yeah, so I have a very uh, business background from the telecom side. You know, I started in the, the retail sales organization and I promoted into the business sales organization. And next thing I know, you know, I'm, I'm local to Dallas. So I found myself um, a few years later climbing the corporate ladder and I, I landed a spot as a level two technical manager at corporate. So I, I stayed very much into the, the sales side, but then I went into the more technical side of sales all while I was at home, heads down, teaching myself to program and learning more of the ins and outs of that side of things. I've always had a very technical background. You know, my first quote unquote business vendor was at the age of 12, I launched something called vertical gaming servers. And so it was jumping in, you know, setting up Counter-Strike servers and, you know, managing dedicated uh, servers from that perspective. I jumped into the World of Warcraft emulation scene and that was kind of my first jump into programming and working on that side of things. So I've always had a very technical background. Um, my career path took me more towards the business side and now I've pivoted it um, to where I fully know the technical side as well as the business side. Okay. Yeah. Very good. And, and, and that's a, uh, much needed in the, in the crypto space and blockchain specifically, because there's, there's a lot of really, really technical people. Um, but many of them, uh, can't business their way out of a paper bag. <laughs> so it's a, it's a good, good mixed, uh, mixed bag of experience there. And so, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to kind of wrap up here in a minute. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing, uh, this, uh, this new technology that, that you're developing, uh, uh with your apps and your tools and you're pushing this forward and hopefully it'll, you know, someday get into the mainstream and everybody will have a mixed reality device, just like they have a smartphone. But uh, can you tell me a little bit of uh, final thoughts, you know, before we go as uh, you know, and specifically final thoughts about where does this go and, and how can, how can those of us who want to see it uh, succeed, how can we help? Yeah. So, so fi final thoughts in that respect are, you know, I, I've shared with you guys the, the analytics piece of this, but what we're building next is an extension into that realm of mapping and how do we map the world. And in order to do that, we've invented the first holographic token, uh, Prax. And what Prax will do is literally spawn around users. So users will see the first holographic token in their environment and it will crawl up the wall because we want the user to map that wall. It will crawl around the room because we want the user to map their whole room, map their house, map the outside. And what this does is it creates a better experience because then the use for this holographic token becomes when you walk into a place, you don't have to spend the time to scan every surface in a room. We can send that map back to you. And so we're creating a much more seamless experience for everyone and we're solving a problem that people don't even necessarily realize is a problem yet in mixed reality because when i walk into your house and i want to play a cool holographic game with you 
I, uh, you might not want me walking into every room of your house to scan the environment. I might not want to spend that time. I might just want to jump into that game with you. And so we saw a firm problem with the user experience behind maps, and that's what we wanted to solve. Okay. And we saw that the maps for this technology going into the far future of this are essential to sharing holograms too. Because if you have in your house themed your walls to look like Niagara Falls, when I walk through your door, I should be able to immediately see that. And there's no infrastructure in place that allows me to see that with you. So you have pinned that hologram, you've pinned that experience to a point in your environment, to a point on that map. Now we need the infrastructure that allows that map and the hologram that you pinned or the experience that you pinned to that point to be loaded on my device too. And we need it to be done in a cross-platform way. You know, I don't, I don't want to not be able to see your holograms because you have an Apple device and I have a Microsoft device. That's not a world I want to live in. Yeah, that's, well said. That's a big problem with this industry. Well said. And so we're thinking of solving this from a very cross-platform way, from a very engaging way, and from a collaborative way, because this is going from an era of personal computing with our smartphone devices, our desktop computers, our laptops, to an era of collaborative computing. We're literally unleashing digital from the screen. We're taking digital out of you know, the 27-inch the monitor sitting in, in front of me right now, and digital will become coexistent with everything around me. We no longer have to sit down to consume digital. Think of how much we sit, right? Yeah. We sit at our, on our couch to play with our smartphone. We sit at our desk to play with our computer. We sit on, you know, in a chair to watch TV. Everything digital pretty much locks us down. It tethers us. But when digital becomes existent with physical, then we can explore physical and digital one and the same. And to me, kind of the social side of this is when we go out into the world again, because digital exists with physical, we'll probably start taking care of the world better again because it will become our playground versus sitting in front of a desk. And that's today's playground. Yeah. Well, that's, that is uh, amazingly fascinating stuff. And, and I had, Personally, you know, never really thought of augmented or mixed reality in the perspective that you have. And so uh, I think you're really bringing some some next level thought processes to this. And we just we just need to support uh, companies like yours to bring that technology to the forefront uh, forefront and, and make sure that it becomes a real reality. So Michael Reed from Practical VR, thanks very much for coming on here and joining us. Uh, where can our audience go and learn a little bit more about what you're doing. Yeah. So the best format today is prax.practicalvr.com, P-R-A-X.practicalvr.com. And we have a pretty cool experience site out there to where users will be able to, from their computer, see how we're going to map the world. So check it out. It's pretty cool. On a mission to map the world, Michael Reed from Practical VR. If you want to check it out and see what they're up to, you can go to prax.com dot practical vr.com that's p-r-a-x dot practical vr.com michael thanks very much for joining us today here on the future tech podcast thank you the bitcoin ethereum and blockchain super conference is coming to dallas texas february 16 17 and 18 in 2018 if you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto to hear directly from the top minds in this field 
to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.